0: family. It is well. Amen. That's a bad song, man. It's a bad song. It messes with me every time I hear it. And if we understand that it is well, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, as Darren said, our flesh may be jacked up. Our lives may look like we think they should look. Our families may not be okay. Things may be just really nuts. But if if we know that our soul is well, it sure makes a difference in everything else that's going on around us. And plus, it'll make this message sound a whole lot better if we understand that. So guys, in a couple of times I've had the privilege to share with y'all on Sunday, I've, uh, I've shared a little bit of my story with you, not going into uh, any kind of great detail because I, I know y'all don't want to be here for an entire week, and that's about how long it would take for me to cover every part of my life that Jesus has, ch- has touched and, uh, but I want you to know who we are as a as a family, as individuals, and like I said, before the sake of of, of not having to relive that entire debacle that that, that Casey made his life into, I, I leave out the details. All I can say about my testimony as well as any testimony, uh, your testimony, anybodys that you 're going to hear, the most important part of a testimony is that Jesus is in it, right there in the middle of it, and you don 't have to clean yourself up you don 't have to have all the answers you don 't have to figure it out. Jesus meets you where you're at. Yeah, man, and he does exactly what Jesus does. And and, and the cool thing is, there's nothing that we can do. He does all the work. I love in Ephesians chapter 1, and and I read it, man, I read it pretty regular. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul reminds these Ephesians, these, these called, chosen followers of Jesus, that it wasn't them. It was all Jesus who initiated everything, who sought them out, who chased them down, who redeemed them, who did all the work All they had to do was answer the call. They didn't always understand his purpose in their life. They didn't always understand why things looked the way they did. But they understood that Jesus was Jesus. He was God. He was in control and he was sovereign. He was still on his throne doing all things for his glory and for their good. And guys, it's the same thing for me. I don't always understand it. I don't always understand why things have to look the way they do and why situations have to work out the way that situations have to work out. But I do understand and I believe with everything I am, and I have to say it to myself sometimes 74 times a day, that he is sovereign. Amen. He is sovereign. He is on his throne. His promises are holding true just today as they were so many years ago. The thing about my testimony is it wasn't this long altar call that brought me to repentance and and faith. It wasn't a show, it wasn't an event, it wasn't a camp. It was a preacher standing up here, and he looked at me, and I know he was looking straight at me because I just saw him. He looked straight at me and said, Jesus loves you. What are you talking about, Jesus? Jesus loves you. And that part right there, just knowing that he loved me, it wrecked my life. It absolutely destroyed me. How can somebody like me be loved? But Jesus loves you. You hear me? Jesus loves you. No matter where you find yourself, no matter what you're going through, he loves his kids, and he's taking care of his kids. Now, listen, my life was transformed at that moment. At Grace Bible Church, sitting on the second row, about three seats in, my life was transformed, but my life was not made perfect. I'm the biggest screw-up you'll ever meet in your life, and if you want to don't believe me, go ask my wife, because she'd be more than happy to tell you about all the times that I mess up. My life is not perfect. It is far from it. But all these years later, I'm so thankful that Jesus is still in the business of doing what Jesus does, and that's transforming lives, refining us into the image that he desires us to be, not for us because we don't deserve any of it, but all for his glory. He is still on his throne, and he still sees it necessary to love me and to guide me. Not long after that night at Grace Bible Church, Stacy and I—we were remodeling our house, and we I, and we went to Tyler to pick up some stuff. We walk into James Avery while we're while we're in the mall, and, and I get to looking at these silver crosses in these cases, and they're you know they're pretty. And I was like, you know what? That'd be kind of cool with the transformation that I've had in my life to to get something to to signify that to something that I can wear, and every time I see it, I can be reminded, like I needed a reminder. I mean, Jesus just completely wrecked me but something that, that I could see visually and say, you know what, I remember exactly what you did for me now. So I picked up this little cross, It's a small Latin cross, and and, and all these st- years later, that was eight, nine years ago, I still have that cross, and I was still wearing it, I was actually going to wear it today, and I go to put it on this morning, and I realize my son has stolen my chain because he broke his, and uh, so I'm not lying to you, I do have it, it's at the house, if you want to see it, I'll be more than happy to bring it, but this cross that I picked up so many years ago, this silver cross, is beautiful, but that's not the point of the story, and I'll get to that here in just a minute, but first where God led me uh, for this message. You have stand with me, turn to Malachi chapter 3. It says, behold, starting in verse 1, behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will set as a smelter and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I love you. and Father, I'm so glad that you allowed us to be here this morning, Father, to, to uh, God, to just see your glory. Father, I pray that you uh, open our hearts now, God, you open our ears and our minds. And Father, to hear the things that you have for us, God, they're not my words, they're yours. And I pray that Holy Spirit comes and overwhelms us with his presence. And Father, that you transform lives and hearts today. Father, you do what you called us here to do. I don't believe that you work in coincidence or luck or chance. Father, but I believe everything is for a design, a divine purpose, God, and that you are sovereign. And you brought us here for that particular reason. You want to speak to us today. So, Heavenly Father, do what you do. Father, remove the distractions that we may have. God, remove the stuff that may be going on in our lives. Father, help us to see you in all of this. Jesus, I love you and I praise you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Something else I failed to mention. I woke up with a sore throat this morning, so if I get to crunching on this cough drop I got in my mouth, don't pay no attention to it. All right? So, Malachi chapter 3. Now, we know that this prophecy given by Malachi, Malachi's voice is all the word of God, was a prophecy to the nation of Israel of things that that were yet to come. Now, see, these people... I can really relate to the people of, of Israel. These people had become indifferent to God, and I don't want that to sound in a bad way, but they had become indifferent to God. Through many trials, through many uh, tests, through many choices of their own, they had become indifferent and apathetic, meaning they were just kind of blah. They didn't really have any enthusiasm for Him anymore. They were just kind of going through life. And, and because of this, everything around them was, was being affected. Their relationships... Uh, their marriage relationships were, were being defiled. They were quick to run to divorce when things were getting hot. Uh, they were worshiping all these other images and worshiping all these gods. And, and they would just become just kind of there, just going through the motions of stuff. You know, they had all these excuses. And we as humans, you know, we're good and we're quick to come up with our excuses, right? And we try to justify the things that we're doing. And they're, they're doing the same thing. I was like, listen, look what we've been through. We've been held captive. We've been put in slavery so many times. We've been moved from our homes. We've been forced to do these things. Time after time after time, we find ourselves in, in trials and tribulations and in tough spots. And, and that stuff's wearing on us. It's wearing us down. And we just, we just lost the fire that's going on inside of us that was burning so red hot. You know, it wasn't too long ago, just a couple of generations before, God had split the Red Sea open. And these people had walked through on dry land, and I love that it's dry land. It wasn't muddy ground where they, you know, they left footprints or anything like that. I believe it was bone dry when they walked through there because there was no anything, nothing to hinder them. I believe it was bone dry. I believe that's what God did. And it wasn't that long ago, but they have seemed to have forgotten all the things that God had did for them through the wilderness and provisions and all these things that are going on, and now they're just like, okay, God, yeah, cool. Rock on. Kind of reminds me of me And some of us We're quick to re- forget The cool things and the great things That we've seen God do We're always looking for more show And when it's not going on We become apathetic to our Creator as well Just kind of blah You know I believe we can see throughout Scripture And certainly in our own lives That when, when the heat's turned up in our hearts And in our, in our, in things around us There's usually two different reactions to God One is to run to Him as fast as you can with arms wide open seeking him and everything that he is. The other one is what, what I tend to do, is run away. Run away and hide and try to figure it out on my own. And these people right here were running away from God. But Malachi came to him and was like, listen, we know we, I know you're in a tough spot, but things are going on here that you don't understand. There's things happening in your life. God is orchestrating things behind the scenes that you don't get because you can't see it. You're not looking for it. Not one time has has your God left you. Not one time has he abandoned you. Not one time has he not provided for you. Even in all these trials and all these hard places you find yourself, not one time has he said, you know what, they can fix it themselves. I don't want no part of it. Not one time has 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 he backed out of his promises. He's telling them, like, guys, there's things coming. Malachi said, there's things coming that just to blow your mind. There's things coming that you don't even understand yet. And we know now, since we have the, the rest of the story, we know exactly what Malachi was talking about. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus and the messenger we all know is John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus, proclaiming a new kingdom. You know, these, these Israelites were all about keeping the laws and doing more to get more. Where he's telling them, hey, there's something coming where you repent and you have faith. And the kingdom is yours. John the Baptist said, there's one coming whose, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to unstrap. He would, he's I'm not, I can't even bend down and untie his sandals. That's how awesome and powerful he is. This temple that Malachi talks about, again, is no longer a, a building. It's no longer a tent out in the pasture. It's no longer a physical place that's got walls and structure and all that. It, the temple now is us. Amen. I the temple is us, flesh and bone. Holy Spirit dwells with us. Scripture says it dwells, which is present, as in right now. These things are coming. Malachi said, Hey, I'm showing you. It's fisting to get crazy good. You don't even understand. The very presence of God living inside of you. You know, these people had longed for the presence of God, but were always separated, right? Only the priest could come into the presence of God. He's like, no, nah, not no more. The presence of God will live inside of you. I can imagine they're just looking at this going, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. But we do know, thank God, that this prophecy has come true. That Jesus is alive. That he followed his messenger and that he brought with him an entirely new kingdom. One that doesn't require us to jump through hoops or follow a set of rules to be a part of. Simply answering the call he has on our life. Making him our Lord and Savior. And living a life of a grateful heart because of what he has given us. Amen? Because there ain't no way I could keep the rules. Thank God for that. You know, every time we look at scripture, we have to look through the gospel. We hear that every week. And I'm telling you, if you don't read scripture through the lens of what Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing, when you start that, it will completely change everything. It changes the way that you look at this. And that's exactly what's going on here. This is the gospel. This is the gospel message. I want to throw a couple words at you before we get too far into this. first word is justification. I've heard these words all my life, never really understood what they meant. But justification simply means to make righteous, to make right with God. And let me tell you something, apart from God, you ain't right. Amen? Don't go ask my wife again, because I don't want to hear it. We ain't right. But through Jesus Christ and through his shed blood, guys, we're made right. If that right there don't blow your mind, I don't know what does. We are made Right, where we can be in the presence of a holy God, a complete and perfect God. We can be in his presence through the blood of Jesus. Second word is sanctification. Sanctification means simply to set apart. Now, justification happens right then on salvation, completely, fully. You cannot be any more justified than you will be at that moment. You get everything you need. But sanctification, I believe, Scripture says, is a process Starting at salvation, going until God says, okay, that's good, you're good. Hebrews says it like this. Hebrews ten fourteen says, by one offering, he has perfected for all times those who are being sanctified. Now, that means becoming sanctified, once again, a process. This part of seeing set apart, this, this purifying is, is, is started then. And slowly, God is chipping away things in our lives that are preventing us from being that person that he desires us to be, and that he has planned for us to be. And the cool thing about this part is that Jesus is fully committed to seeing this sanctification take place. Not one time is he leaving us, just like the children of Israel. Not one time is he leaving us as orphans. Not one time is he leaving us to figure it out on our own. He's steadily doing what he does, chipping things away. Now, this sanctification process is hard. It's not always easy. It doesn't always look the way we want it to look, and many times it's uncomfortable, and it makes us very uneasy, but it is necessary. It is necessary for us to have these things taking place in our lives to make us into the image that Jesus Christ desires us to be. These Israelites didn't understand it. Many times we don't understand it. But when all this heat is turned up in our lives, it is for a purpose. We just got to look around and see Jesus in it. I don't know if any of you all know what the process of refining silver is. Until a couple of months ago, I'd never heard it myself. See, I don't just come up with jewelry that we wear and, and display. Just, it doesn't just happen overnight. It is a tedious process, and it is a long, drawn-out process. Now, I know places like James Avery and these big, these big stores produce stuff in mass, but for the real silversmith, the one who loves what he does... To produce this beautiful handcrafted stuff, it is a tedious process. This refiner has got to be somebody who is absolutely dedicated and committed to what he's doing. Because you see, once the process of refining starts, he can't leave it. He can't turn his back on it. He has to be there 24-7 watching it until it is complete. He has to be completely sold out and dedicated to what he's doing. Absolutely zero distractions. He can't start it and then go, you know, watch a football game and come back and check on it later and make sure it's okay. He has to be there looking over it the whole time. He's in it for the long haul, so to speak. That's, what we, that's how we like to say it. But the first step when this refiner goes to start making this jewelry, the first step in the refining process, the silver is not silver in its natural state. It's encased with all this dirty, filthy stuff, right? So what he has to start doing is he has to start chipping all the useless stuff away from it. And he has to be very intent and very uh, precise at what he's doing because if he too much, he just, he'll destroy what he has. Too little, he won't be able to get the results he needs. So for this, for this valuable metal to begin to take shape, he's got to chip away at it. He's got to chip away all the stuff that's no good. After that, he takes all the pieces that he has, all the stuff he's broke up, and he puts it in a device called a crucible. How many of you know what a crucible is? So a crucible is a, I don't know, it's a device, it's a material, it's a pot, whatever we want to call it, made up of ceramic or other material that all this goes in. The cool thing about a crucible is, the important thing is, is, it's got to be able to withstand some crazy intense heat, right? Crazy intense, I mean, stuff like we can't even imagine. It's got to be able to withstand the heat while protecting whatever it is inside it. It can't get hot on the outside and destroy what's on the inside. That's no good. That's not the purpose. That would mess up everything we got, but it's got to be able to protect it. This crucible, all these pieces are placed into this crucible with a refiner lots lights the furnace. And now, this furnace can't be just any temperature. So You've got your crucible, you've got your stuff in your crucible, now you've got your fire burning in your furnace, and the furnace has got to be 1,763 degrees. It's a pretty precise deal. 1,764 is too hot to burn it up. 17, 1762 it won't melt 1763 is the exact melting temperature for silver so it's got to be I'm talking about this is, this is scientific cool stuff here this ain't just go build a fire out in your backyard throw something in it and hope it works alright this is technical stuff and I, y'all can see I, I know exactly how to do this <laughs> I got jewelry, a little jewelry display going up in the foyer for, for later this has got to be something that's, I mean, this is, this is precise. There ain't no way I could ever do this. I don't have the patience for it. 1763, crucible goes in, begins to melt. As it melts, the impurities that are in the silver rise to the top, okay, form a layer on the top of the silver, called dross, D-R-O-S-S, and and dross is worthless. It's absolutely worthless. It has no value for anything, and it actually lessens the value of the silver. Dross is formed. He pulls the crucible out. He takes the device. He skims the dross off, throws it away. Heats the furnace back up, 1763. Crucible goes back in it. Process starts over again. Each time, sometimes up to seven different times, This is what it takes to get silver to the point that it can be used to make jewelry. Each time, heat it up, dross rises to the top, it's skimmed off, cooled down, heated up, same process over and over again. Do you know when he can finally say, this is good for James Avery, this ready? It's when the refiner can take the molten metal and he can look at it and he can see his perfect image. In the metal. No distortions, no waves, no fog, no impurities, none of that kind of stuff. It's when he can see his perfect image in the molten metal, is the process complete. Kind of makes me look at my cross a little bit different. Knowing that it took that kind of dedication to make it, it's crazy. You know, things happen in our lives. Some of us are sitting here today going through things where the heat has turned up really hot. And we don't know if we're going to make it through it. Luke chapter 21 tells us that we will be hated. Not because of us, but because of him. John chapter 10 tells us that we'll have troubles in this world. We have these promises that we're going to go through trying to hot times and we can label them whatever we want to label them. we can life happens you know sickness families are are busted up homes are divided we get pain and and relationships are ugly lies become louder than the truth friendships are tested evil is everywhere evil is so prevalent attack after attack and the enemy is relentless he never lets up he never lets up on us Sometimes we turn these idols, these, and we can, we can call them whatever we want to once again because we all have them. We can turn these idols, these little G-gods, into the one true God. We find ourselves worshiping these things, pulling us away from the truth. Time and time again, just as this silver is a process of being heated up, time and time again, guys, we find ourselves in being heated up. Many times we find ourselves being heated up, and the first thing we want to do is bolt we want to be gone. We want to get away from it as fast as we can. We become so enraged by our emotions and our feelings that we lose sight of what's really going on behind the scenes. Just as these Israelites and Malachi had happened to them. You see, we have this big problem of becoming slaves to the American gospel. And when I say the American gospel, the gospel that everybody says we thinks we should have. The American gospel that tells you you deserve to be happy. The American gospel that says you should have puppies and rainbows every day when you wake up. The American gospel that says you should have no pain or no hurt or no struggle. Guys, that is not true. That is not true gospel. That is something the Americans have created the gospel to be. The true gospel says we're going to have hard times. We're going to have heat in our lives. Now, I don't want to stand up here and make you think that I'm saying that temptation and sin are of God because they're not sometimes God allows these things to happen in our lives for his divine plan to come to pass. Why? Because he's God, and I'm not. Because he is sovereign, and that's what he sees as the best way for his plan to come to pass. You see, this prophecy given by Malachi speaks on Jesus the king how he will follow the messenger, how his temple will be set up, and then it says something so cool and so powerful. It says he will sit as a smelter and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, and he will find them as gold. He will sit there fully attentive to what's going on with his kids. Fully attentive to the heat that is turned up around them. Watching intently the refining process. Never once leaving our side. So that these gifts of righteousness. And these things that he desires of us. that come from a transformed, refined follower of Jesus will be made evident. I don't know where you find yourselves at today dealing with some of these things that I mentioned but I can tell you for the child of God not one time has he left your side for the child of God not one time has he said you know what they can handle it on their own I got to go get a coke not one time as he wakes up in the morning and checks his emails like man I didn't see that coming today our God is faithful and he is sitting there as a refiner purifying and refining his kids it may not look like we want it to look It may not smell like we want it to smell. It may not sound like we want it to sound like. But his ways are higher than ours. And he is God. And we are not. I'm not trying to be insensitive to any place. That anybody finds themselves. Because when it's happening to you. It is the most painful and the most real thing. That's that's going on in the world. I understand that. But for the child of God. Everything happens for a reason. And I say that knowing that many times we can't see God in them. Everything in our lives happens for a purpose, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and it is all a process of refining us into who Jesus wants us to be. So how do we as a follower hold on to hope during these times of intense heat? Well, this may be really simple to say, but not so easy to do. But if we believe that God is sovereign, and if I were to ask you to raise your hand this morning and say, do you believe that Jesus is sovereign, that he is on his throne, that he is in control, everybody in here would raise your hand. I understand that. But if we believe that God is sovereign, that he is in control of all things, that he is working all things out for our good and for his glory, then we have to believe That the purpose he has in these hard times will come to pass for his glory. We have to believe these things. We have to believe that his completed work on the cross is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. That in our weakness he is made strong. That in our lack of understanding he is completely adherent to what's going on. He is not surprised nor is he scared of what's happening in your life. We have to believe, as Malachi 3, 3 says, that Jesus is sitting there. And when I, picture, I continue to picture that one thing, that the Lord of lords, the King of kings, is sitting on his throne with his eyes gazed at what's going on in our lives. He is sitting there as a refiner, purifying us, chipping away at all the stuff, all the mess that's happening around us. Chipping those things away, all the distractions that may be keeping us from that perfect relationship that he desires with us. He's sitting there refining us from those things. Once again, it may sting a little bit, or it may sting a lot. But if he is sovereign, and we claim he's sovereign, we have to believe that he is doing this thing right now. For his purpose, not for ours. We have to believe that these impurities, as I said, these impurities are being removed Each time we're heated up, each time we're pulled out of the crucible, he skims off these impurities and gets rid of them. Each time we're becoming more and more made into the image of his son. And we have to believe that his plan, his plan for each and every one of us, will one day produce something so beautiful and is so valuable that all will desire What we have. We have to believe these things. Charles Spurgeon says it this way. Never let your anxieties about sanctification destroy your confidence of justification. I want to read that again. Never let your anxieties about sanctification. This setting apart. This process. This refining that we're all going through. Never let your concerns and your worries about the things that you're going through destroy your confidence of justification. You're made right. No matter what it may look like or smell like or taste like, you're a child of God. And he is watching every bit of the process, working all things out. Is it hard? Absolutely, yes. Is it necessary? Yes, it is. Does it always look like we think it should look? Nah, unfortunately no. Is it impossible to get through? Absolutely not. One of the scriptures taken out of context a lot is 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, where it says God will never give you more than you can handle. Without giving you a way out. Well, I'm here to tell you today, God will give you way more than you can handle. He will give you way more than you can handle. Not to destroy you. Not to crush your spirits. Not to ruin you. So you will turn around and look to him. Say, God, I can't handle this. It's too hot. I need you to do it because he is our way out. Of all things. Isaiah 43 says it this way. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God. Because of Jesus. (laughs) All because of Jesus and his gospel. Folks, we are justified and we are being sanctified into what Romans calls us more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Just a side note about this silver that I talked about earlier. and I found this more fascinating than anything. When the process is complete, the refiner sees his image in the metal, in the molten metal. And he makes jewelry out of it. You know that this silver will never reach 100% purity. It will never reach 100% purity. 92, 93% it's about as, more, about as pure as silver gets. Because if silver was 100% pure, it would be too soft to handle the daily use, the daily wear of the user. It'd break down. It's not tough enough. It's not strong enough. But our refining, you hear me? 100% pure Undefiled, no distortion, perfect image of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 says, In him you are complete. Complete. If you want to do a word study, go look up that word complete and see what it means. It means perfect. It means holy, undefiled, without blemish, blameless. We are complete, 100% pure, Able to withstand anything that the world throws at us. Able to withstand anything that the world throws at us. Darren, if you guys would come on up, we'll close this out. You know, one of these days, I don't know when that's going to be. One of these days, God is going to look into the crucible, which are his hands. Scripture says that we are in his hands, and not one thing, one person, even ourselves, can remove us from his hands. His hands are the crucible that protects us during the heat. That's turning us into the things that he wants to turn us into. One of these days, he's going to look into that crucible, which are his hands, and he's going to see his image without any distortion, without any flaw, 100% pure, And then the process in our lives will be complete. We will be 100% refined into the image of Jesus. I don't know when that day is, but it's going to be a good one. You hear me? It's going to be a good one. But until then, until that day, I may not always understand it, but I'm going to trust him. I may not always have the answers, but I'm going to trust Him. I may not always like it, but I'm going to trust Him. Because His plan for me is greater than my plan for me. And I'm going to hold true to His promises at saying that the heat will never be turned up to the point of destroying me. And I'm going to hold to the promises that His shed blood will cover me, no matter what the world throws at me. He is God and I am not. And I'm going to trust him in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I love you. I might not always understand you, Jesus. I may not always look for you in the times when I need to look for you, God, but I trust you. Heavenly Father, I pray now that what you have started in this place through Holy Spirit, that you continue, that you minister in such a powerful way. Lord, it just blows our minds. Father, you help us to see you in in the crazy, in the confusing, in the scary. Father, knowing that for a child of yours, you're refining us into the person you desire us to be. Not always easy, God, but we trust you in it. And Father, I pray that wherever we find ourselves today, Lord, that once again you open our eyes to who you are in it, that you are sovereign, that you are on your throne, that you're working all things out for your glory. Holy Spirit, come overwhelm us, transform us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.